survivors welcome to d180 the horror movie podcast taking you on a ride thanks for linking up with us this week i'm aj and i'm jane hi girl how are you i'm all right how are you i'm cooling i got my first shot today oh and um i didn't freak out because you know i'm scared of needles oh i didn't know that Yes, girl. Girl, I am scared of the weirdest things. Like the dark and the needles are two things that will really just get my goat. But yeah, it's interesting. I know, I know. Um, and the biggest one that I'm like literally scared of my own demise. So I guess that's kind of different because it's my own demise and not somebody else's. So I can watch other people in movies all day. But if it was me, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with it because it would be over. But I would have a problem with that. <laughs> anyway, continuing with our third movie in this month's theme, we're writing 2009's The Stepfather. It's currently available on Netflix if you haven't seen the movie yet. Other subscriptions might cost you some coin, but you know. But before we head off, Janae, I did not forget about you, homegirl. I got your Ride Rex for this week. Okay. So if you're new here, every week I give Janae two movies to watch. More often than not, they're going to relate to the movie that we're watching. So they might be something similar or maybe same genre. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but, you know, she's seen it already by chance. And, you know, this is for y'all. And if y'all seen it by chance, then, you know, somebody out there ain't seen it. (laughs) So for this week, since we're watching the remake of The Stepfather, she's already seen the original. But that is one movie that's on the list. The next one, number two is Tales from the Hood. And because that one has like a small little stepfather bit in there that I think you'll enjoy. I don't remember if I've seen Tales from the Hood or not. I feel like that's just one of those ones that's like, you know, our parents was on that. So we just happened to see it. And you know, you might have processed it differently. But I feel like outside of the uh, stepfather one I'm talking about, it's probably going to be this other scene that you probably know. Like when you see it, you probably going to be like, oh, that's where that reference come from. If it aired on BET, then I probably didn't watch it. Um, I don't, mm, that's a good question. I'm pretty sure it has at some point. But, you know. Because growing up, I was not allowed to watch BET. Damn, poor thing. <laughs> no, let me not stunt. I couldn't watch BET until actually no 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 I mean I had teenage sisters I don't think I think the impression was they weren't supposed to watch it in front of me but I definitely was singing thong song like shit yeah it was a (laughs) no-no in my house but when as soon as I went to the babysitter house um everybody watched BET in like the big tv room or whatever Mm -hmm. and I think that's where I watched Halloween for the first time was at my babysitter's house (laughs) that's cute (laughs) Uh, I would feel like as a babysitter, I wouldn't be trying to watch any of those movies. <laughs> Yo, cause it's, but see, here's the thing. She had a daycare. So it was like a bunch of us. And it was her daughter who would like sometimes throw on the scary movies for us when she would come home from school. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. First of all, she was trying to say, and like summer, house. like summer camp and stuff. Cause I would go over there during the summer. So yeah. It was a she little... sound like me. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. But um, speaking of <laughs> this movie in particular, I was, because that sounds like something I would do as a teenager to my nieces and nephews, because, you know, they, some of them aren't that much younger than me. 
But when I uh, was, what, 17, I guess, when this movie came out, 2009, I remember going to see this in the theater. And first of all, before that, I remember, and we'll talk about it later, I remember seeing the trailer, being really excited, went to go see the movie, and I liked it. I'm not going to stunt. But later on, I'll tell you guys, I realized what's the reason behind why I liked it so much. Because when I picked it for the podcast, I had such high expectations. I didn't think it was going to be like a gem or anything. But, you know, it was, you know, Penn Bagley in it. I was like, I want to show John Nate this. And we watched this. And, mm, yeah, I'll just let John Nate tell you guys how she feel. Um... See? <laughs> so I remember seeing the trailer for it mm-hmm. back in high school, but I never went to go see it, right. even though it was PG-13. I just, I don't know. I guess I didn't care. I don't know. But watching it now, it it was boring. Yeah. And it's like, I can... We'll hash it out in a second. And the other thing was I felt like I saw it before. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. I felt like I saw it like I saw the exact movie, but Mm -hmm. the storyline, I felt like I've seen that type of storyline before. It was kind of boring for me. Do you think it's because you're like such a true crime aficionado? I don't think it has anything to do with true crime, though. No, I was just curious, you know, we're both dancers. So when we see other people dance and they just playing in our heads, we like, you know. Oh, yeah, because when I, yeah. I watched one Bring It On movie one time, like one of the new ones that was on Netflix, and they were doing some horrible dance moves. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> or like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Save the last dance. Girl, why did we think she was going off when we was oh, younger? No. I laugh at that movie now. Because I, I watched, I said, oh, okay. Girl, you was not getting the parts with that audition. Okay, let me not go in on her like that because auditions are low-key intimidating. They, oh God, we don't have to talk about auditions. Okay. (laughs) But um, I get what you're saying as far as it being like, because I like true crime, that it wasn't interesting. I don't think that was the case. For me, it was the plot itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just, it, it had a lot of holes for me. Yeah. On top of that, I just feel, and I'll go into it later, I feel like it's some, it's like slight little tweaks that could have made this so much more better, but you know. So it's directed by Nelson McCormick, and he's actually done the 2008 remake of Prom Night, which um, if I remember correctly, because I know I saw that in the theaters, Idris Elba is in that one. And I don't think that one was that good, but I think I liked it once again because... I was I, going to be going to prom in two years and I wanted to see what that be like. You already know they be playing on us as teenagers. They be really doing it. I liked it. I didn't see it in theaters. Was that one rated R? Probably. Now I will tell you the original child, they they definitely they definitely improved off the original, but I just I don't know, for some reason, I don't know. It's a blur in my head. So I don't think I saw it in theaters. I remember watching this one at home with my mom and uh, we liked it. I remember liking it, but I remember her having issues with it. And I don't Mm. remember where her issues were, but I liked it. 
Oh no, we gonna have to, you know, finagle that in so I can see. Because I'm curious. I mean, I can always watch it. It's on Netflix right now. But um, unless that. Now I do want to watch the original, and the original I added that to my um my watch list on Prime. Now you know what I did like. Okay, now the first one, the first one is cool, but it's just like, man, all right. That second one, that second one is a motherfucking ride. Okay. Oh, it has a sequel. Uh, Prom night, baby. Yes, prom night two. Hello, Mary Lou. Woo. It's a dumbass movie, but it's a fun ass movie, okay? And nobody can tell me otherwise. I'm not taking anything else for an answer. John Day, I feel like, and I hope, I hope, when you see that movie, you enjoy it as much as I do because that shit is crazy. <laughs> I mean, well, which one? The first one or the second one? The second one. Oh, I'll have to add that one to my list. I didn't see yes. it. Because sometimes yeah. when we watch movies, I'll like see what's similar on Prime and mm-hmm. I'll just start like adding it to my watch list. For those mm-hmm. days where I'm like, uh, I feel like watching. And see, the, the second one, I feel like when you see it, it's going to be one of those movies like you've seen this cover. And you know me, I'm big on my covers. You've seen this cover a thousand times, I'm sure. And you just probably never thought twice about it. It's a girl. She's in a locker and it looked like she like got her hands over her chest. She's in a prom dress. It's probably faint in your hair right now. But I promise you when you see it, you're going to be like, yeah, I've seen this cover before. Jesus. So I Googled the cover and I have never seen that cover before. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the simple fact that also I have never knew that there was a prom. I knew that there was an original prom night. I didn't know that there mm-hmm. was a sequel. Yeah. Um, this, okay. Now I got to say this. Like I said, the original prom night, it ain't nothing. Don't get too excited because it ain't really too much of nothing. You're going to see I mean, I like else. Jamie Lee. Yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna see some JLC and her pants shaking in titties, but not I mean it ain't titties. It, I mean she she's not naked. She just shaking her shoulders. It's more like shaking her shoulders, but you know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Produced by Mark Morgan and Greg Mordian. Screenplay by J.S. Cardone. And of course, you know, this is all based off the 1987 film of the same name, The Stepfather, by Donald E. Westlake, Carolyn Stern, and Brian Garfield. And so let's get into this main cast, because this is really what's sucking me into this movie for real, for real. So you got Dylan Walsh as the stepfather, and, you know, he goes under a few aliases. Then we got Celia Ward as Susan, the mom, Penn Bagley as Michael, the son. Amber Heard as Kelly, the long-term girlfriend, and then, you know, it's other characters involved, too, but this is really our main batch right here. Oh, she was in Aquaman. Yeah, I know. You know what? To be honest, I'm going to be very, very honest with I you. didn't realize that that was the same version. I don't know much about Amber Heard. Like, I know it's something with her and Johnny Depp, but I have no idea what it is. I had no idea who this chick was until all that happened. And I probably know her from other movies, but it's like, I really don't be paying attention to them. <laughs> what else was she in? I just, no, I haven't seen her in anything else. Yeah, I'm like, I can't, people are probably yelling right now, like, she's in this, in that, baby, I don't know none of that. I mean, I'm looking at her stuff now, and I'm just like, oh, I ain't you're seen looking at it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's what, well, oh, she was in Magic Mike. Oh, nope, don't recognize Pineapple that. Express. Might recognize it if I see it. Um, let me keep scrolling. These a lot of these are movies that I have not seen. I mean, I know Pineapple Express, but I'm talking about her survivors. Not obviously, I've seen Pineapple Express. Obviously, well, whatever. We'll get yeah. back to her later. 
shoot so, on Friday Night Lights. Mm, it's probably then, one like, of those things like we're gonna be watching stuff and be like, oh, that's homegirl. Yeah, like she was in some movie called Zombie Land. Three days what? to what? Zombie Land. Yeah. Oh, what the it, fuck was that? Wow. Well, hmm. That movie came out in oh nine. Yeah, maybe I need to watch that again. That's why I was like, hold on now. I've seen that more than a few times. Hmm. I don't know. I don't be knowing people. It's right. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I don't know some people either. You just recognize their face. And I'm like, mm-hmm. she looks familiar. But I didn't re- realize. At the same time, you I know what that means when we say somebody looks familiar? Because, all right, I'm going to get off of it. I'm going to get off of it. Of course, you guys know this story. <laughs> Y'all know that this story in general was based off, you know, a real life crime, but I'm going to save that for when we actually talk about the original stepfather. And speaking of the original, Terry O'Quinn, who portrayed the original stepfather, he, they asked him, well, you know, he's in the first two installments. The third one is played by somebody else, but that's neither here nor there. But they asked him to be in this one to have like a small little cameo role. And he turned it down. I really wonder, like, what would the cameo role have been? Like, would it have been something really, really on the nose? Or would it have been subtle? That's a good question. Like, I'm wondering, like, would it have been, like, you know, a co-worker of his? Or maybe, like, just something random. Like, somebody passes a table. I mean, not a table. Passes, like, a paper to him or something. Or he, like, passes somebody you know how they do stanley in the marvel cameos he just being the most randomest parts and they make my heart happy <laughs> that's so cute <laughs> i think my favorite one is uh what, what did i just watch and spider-man was on the bus and he was like what are you kids acting like you never seen a spaceship before it was spider-man dr strange and iron man they was fighting this nigga in the streets and then the hulk couldn't turn green what the fuck is that? I don't know. Somebody's screaming at the podcast right now. It's some movie. But anyway, girl, you know it's the unrated cut. And first, first, first of all, the unrated cut got the audacity to just be 60 seconds longer. Seriously? Girl, I'm dead serious. And I'm just like, well, what what what's in that 60 seconds? Hmm. <laughs> Probably nothing. Okay, nothing at all. But um, you know what? Let's just talk about it. You ready to go to the queue line? Yeah, girl. Yeah, let's roll out. Howdy, survivors. Please keep your tips and limbs inside the vehicle and remain seated at all times. Hang on to your personal belongings, especially your minds and spines. Because this here's a doozy. I have a little game for all my survivors out here. Y'all know we love to party up in the park. This is an adult park. We have kitty themes sometimes, but this is an adult park, honey. So I have a party game. So, you know, you could drink, smoke, whatever you do, whatever it is. Every time when you watch this movie, or when we mention it for the podcast, I guess, every time you see Amber Heard in her bikini or her pajamas, or I guess underwear, whichever you want to call it, it's all cool. Underwear! <laughs> I'm sorry if that was really loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> because those were not pajamas, and it, it's rubbing me the wrong way. <laughs> Whenever you see her in that state, you know what to do. I, Wait, so are you participating too? I can. I definitely can. Okay, I'll be right back. Here. Let me go. Um, let me go get um, pop open a bottle. I'll be right back. <laughs> she really popping.
Okay, I'm back. I decided to go with an easier bottle versus trying to actually um, pop a cork. So, more little apple on there. Okay. I am dead. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And I won't touch that until you mention underwear or bikini. Okay, let's go. For your Q-line game, honey, I want to know if you can tell a celebrity's name from a serial killer's name. Huh? I'm going to read off a name, and all you got to do is tell me if it sounds like a celebrity or a serial killer. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to use my customer service voice, okay? <clears throat> you ready? <laughs> right. Let's see. Dean Coral. What's the last name? Coral. C-O-R-L-L. A serial killer. Ding, 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 ding. I was about to say, because that last name does not sound familiar to me. That had to be a serial killer. <laughs> Elizabeth Grant. I think that that is a celebrity. Let's see. It is. It's actually Lana Del Rey's name. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro Lopez. Pedro Lopez. That can go either way. Hmm. But I think that it's a celebrity. Let's see. It's a serial killer. Oh, she's just a serial killer. Oh, what did he do? Okay, I know I said it. I said I wasn't, but he murdered 350 girls. Who has the time? Right. 350? Yes, that's a Jeez. lot. Carla Homolka. Oh, no. You said karma? Carla Homolka. Oh, Carla. I think that's a serial killer. Let's see. Oh, gosh. She helped her husband rape and murder three girls. Ew. Yes, she is. Yeah, no. Straight to hell. <clears throat> Reginald Dwight. Reginald Dwight. Dwight. That sounds like a serial killer, too. Let's see. That is the real name of Elton John. That's a celebrity. And the other thing, too, that I was going to say was that it sounds like someone's real name versus their celebrity mm -hmm. name. Stage name. <laughs> <sighs> Boo. <laughs> Rosemary West. That's a serial killer. It is. She murdered 10 women. I, I can hear them uh, saying her name like on Snapped or something. Dun, 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 dun. Rosemary West. I can hear Oh, it. my God. <laughs> Randall Woodfield. Randall who? Woodfield. Woodfield? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say celebrity. That is a serial killer. It's been Dang linked it. to at least five deaths. And just linked, so this does not mean convicted. Eileen. I mean, Edwin. he's still out there? 
Yeah, baby. Oh, God. I know. Don't that mess with you a little bit? Okay, who did you just say? Eileen Edwards. Eileen Edwards. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a celebrity? You know, I, to, I was going to give it to you both ways. That actually is. That's Shania Twain. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, girls. I said her name. <laughs> Thomas Calloway. Callaway. That sounds. That don't sound like a serial killer. That sounds like a celebrity. But then it also sounds like a serial killer because you know that sounds like a rich name. And some yeah. rich people be serial serial killers. Uh huh. I'm gonna go with serial killer. Let's see. Oh, that's oh. <gasps> Yo, that's CeeLo Green's real name. <laughs> CeeLo, you a serial killer? <laughs> wow, I did not know that. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, this one is, I think it's low key the same. Eileen Warnos. What is the last name? W U O R N O S. Warnos. Serial killer. Yes, she killed at least seven people. Dang. For some reason, I feel like this is the lady that they made that movie Monster off of, and I look you want to look it up, but I'll do it later. Eric Bishop. Eric Bishop. This sounds like a serial killer, too. Okay, let's see. I'm going to be, you know what, I'm a little mad at you, but it's okay. Girl, that's Jamie Foxx. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, as soon as I seen that name, I said, oh, she's going to get this one. And you know what's so funny? I had literally just seen his real name the other day, but it just didn't click. <laughs> I keep forgetting that he has a real name. Yeah, I know. Like, we've really only known him as Jamie. <laughs> like, sir, you, you, that's not your name anymore. Your name's Jamie right. Fox. Okay. Blake Brown. Why do I feel like that's a celebrity? Shoot, it might be Brown is common. Right. Oh, yeah, that's Freddie. That's Blake Lively's name. That was right <laughs> about something. Adam Wiles. Adam Wiles? Mm-hmm. Like W-I? W-I-L-E-S. Adam? Mm-hmm. Serial killer. That's actually Calvin Harris's real name. It's a celebrity. Y'all need to use y'all real names. Y'all are names. <laughs> And now we have Gwendolyn Graham. Serial killer. Probably not, though, but. That's right. Um, she killed five elderly people. That is so sad. I know, right? What she and our her? last one, we have... Hmm. Alina Miranoff. Celebrity. It's a celebrity. It is. That's actually Heron Marin's name. How did I know? You <laughs> <laughs> did a good job. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah, you got nine out of 15 correct. No, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad at all, sis. So, without further ado, you ready to talk about this, Rags? We got things to talk about. <sighs> the doozy? Yeah, it's a doozy. We're calling this one a doozy, y'all. So buckle up, because when we I come like back... I'm on a kitty ride. Oh, no. I would... You know what? <laughs> Don't do kitty rides like this. <laughs> But when we come back, we'll be getting into 2009's The Stepfather. Still can't believe my mom didn't come to the airport. She has some things to do. She met this guy? He seems cool. Seems like she's rushing into things. At least you have me. Gonna tell you when. I got something to show you. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to have you home. Michael, this is David. Good to finally meet you. Your return makes us complete. Family is the most important thing. Nothing's wrong. Give it a chance. Are you going to do something stupid? Like what? Getting sent back to military school? We're going to put this family back together. You and me, father and son. Stepfather. Stepfather. What do you guys think of him? Do you like him? He's nice. Yeah, he takes us to the movies and stuff. Watch it, watch it. Oh! Your mom says you don't want to see me. No, Dad, you know, I'm not the one who left. You're just a little freaked out that your mom's marrying a stranger. On TV, I saw this woman who drove off a bridge with her three kids. Maybe they disappointed her. Cutter, how are you? Did you happen to see America's Most Wanted last night? What'd she want? She had seen the story about this killer. <laughs> the police sketches look just like you. Great, this will make me a hit with the neighbors. Hmm. You got a minute, kind of looks like him. It could be anybody. Didn't you close your door? People might get the wrong idea about her. What do you suppose people think about you moving in with my mother? What's going on? The old woman across the street, she fell down her stairs and broke her neck. John, turn that down now! Mother said, turn it down. My father, my friend. Have a great day. Did you ever lay a hand on one of my kids again? I was just trying to show him a little discipline. What do you even know about this guy, huh? He's hiding something. It doesn't mean he's a killer. What are you doing? I'm gonna find out what's in those storage cabinets. I thought I could make this work. But you can't! I thought you could be Mrs. Grady Edwards! What are you doing, Kelly? What did you say? No. Who am I here? blacker than black but i still feel like this was a missed opportunity to use that step daddy song you remember that, that song i'm gonna call your mama call your mama tell, oh. tell my mama you so, you so bad. bad i'm so bad you just met hey, you my dad yeah like we could we could have set that off i'm about to play it do the step daddy hey shut up i'm gonna call your mama i'm gonna tell your mama But for real, uh, missed opportunity. But anyway, this trailer, let me tell you something. 
when I seen and when I rewatched it for the podcast, I instantly remembered, as I talked about it a little bit earlier, seeing this trailer and wanting to see the movie. But I am very, very upset that the last part of the trailer was not in the movie. And I know y'all looking at me like, Ashley, okay, now if they put that in a movie, you would have been bitching about how they showed everything in the trailer. And you're right, I would have. But I would have loved to seen homegirl at least get the saw dangled in her face. It completely misses her in the actual. Oh, well, let me put this here. Bow, 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 bow. Attention survivors, from this point on, spoilers will be dropped. If you'd like to skip to the queue line, please refer to the timestamps below. See you on the other side. So yeah, like I was saying is, you know, that third act, it was, it, it, it wasn't third act for me. It was not giving like the intensity that they had been kind of building up through the movie just didn't give me what I needed at the end. And I would have appreciated that saw dangling in her face. It could have nicked her nose a little bit, like something. Not nicked her nose. Something. You just give me something to work with. So when it comes to this opening, I really tried not to be that person, but it's hard because, you know, we open up in what I assume is Christmas or at least, you know, the season. In a suburban neighborhood, papers are being delivered, and one of the houses has had their subscription canceled. So, you know, they not getting today's tea. Hmm, what's that about? Now we cut to, no pun intended, Grady Edwards cutting his hair, shaving off his beard, dyeing his hair, and changing his contacts. We look around the house, it's family photos everywhere, and he's in none of them. Hmm, wonder why. And also, if it's that many kids in that house, this house is awfully quiet. And it's Christmas? No, that house should be booming. First of all, I don't know if it's Christmas, because you wouldn't be going to work on Christmas, I guess. Actually, no, 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 no. We live in America. Yes, you would. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) he goes downstairs. He plays Silent Night. He gets him some toast with some peanut butter, hangs up the phone that's off the hook. Like, he's having a regular day at the park. Whole time. While he's placing, you know, putting back some things, we see that the whole family is bodied in the living room. The dog's outside in the cold, barking and shit. And then before he leaves, they they give us a flashback of one of the daughters screaming. And for me, I didn't like it. And I think I didn't like it because one, it moves kind of fast. I feel like he gives us a... pinch of too much sinister in his movements in his opening scene so when it gets to the family you kind of was like okay I kind of fell off about him in the first place so there wasn't no real build up you know what I mean yeah I didn't like the opening compared to the original so I watched the remake first and then the original Mm -hmm. and uh you get more context in the original versus the remake. Yeah. And also the scene, uh, the murder scene was better. Yeah, and you know, I'm not gonna harp on this too much because it's rated PG-13 and I'm never that person that's like, oh, it's PG-13, I don't wanna see it because we do have some good PG-13s. Was it one of the uh, Friday movies PG-13? I don't know, there's a lot of titties up in there. Titties cussing, drugs, maybe not. I don't know. That's a hmm. Somebody knows out there. But like one of the um, fr- I swear one of the Friday the thirteenth movies was PG thirteen. One of them. I don't think we can figure it out though. But one thing you compromise when you do have PG thirteen is 
how scenes look. And I think one thing for me with this opening scene is I wish that there was some kind of blood. It didn't have to be as bloody as the original. And I'll save that commentary. But if you've seen that opening scene, you already know when you see that first hand smeared on the wall that's bloody and you see the rest, it's just, it's a drastic difference from what we get in this opening scene. So now we move on, we get some police exposition. And why don't we, we don't see these police anymore in this movie besides this scene. But one officer that I noticed was Deirdre Lovejoy. She plays uh, Ronnie or Rhonda Perlman from The Wire. Love her. But anyway, we learned that the family that got bodied was a female in her late 30s, three minors, multiple stab wounds, blunt force trauma. The ex-husband, Dylan Bennett, was, you know, the first suspect because she had a restraining order on him. But based off his reaction to the bloody scene, they rule him out. And I'm like, uh, no, okay, you know what? I'm gonna get off y'all in this no blood thing. But anyway, they move on to the stepfather, Grady Edwards, and they disclose some things about him. So his thing is, he likes to cancel newspapers for a little grip before he dips out so the papers don't pile up. He might have done this before because three years ago, the same thing happened to a family in New Jersey. Wife, three kids, they got gunshots to the back of the head and he bounced. He pays for everything in cash. So he doesn't leave a paper trail. And he only goes after divorcees and widows for legal reasons. And he knows that they're vulnerable. So, you know, he's pretty much a shitbag. And on top of that, it's been six months. So, you know, the police, they don't know where he at. But he's bounced out to Oregon, where he meets the Harding family. Currently present at the grocery store are mom, Susan, and younger kids, Beth and Sean. So he introduces himself now as David Harris, a man who lost his wife and daughter to a car crash by a drunk driver. And you know, they play cat and mouse through the grocery store. You know how you be trying to do when you see somebody you might think you like them. So you know, you play I tag until y'all get out. And if he come talk to you, you know, but this ain't go like that. She goes up to him and bites him out to pizza. And you know what? Six months later, they engage to be married. That's really not that bad. To get married? Like dating, I don't think that's bad and moving in and we just, you know, but getting married, you don't think that's bad? I mean, I don't know. I've never been, you know. Well, when you know, you know, and that goes on both ends. Um, I can say that with my boyfriend, he has been telling me since like, maybe a couple months in like maybe two or three months in that he was like yo I'm marrying you so granted we haven't gotten married it's been more than a year but you know when you know now the timing is how fast you do it that's up to you (laughs) I could take that answer (laughs) so we have (laughs) we have Michael returning home from military school to a surprise party even though I don't know how he ain't see all them big-ass balloons through them big-ass windows. But anyway, he's greeted by everyone and finally meets David. And low-key starts picking up on some off stuff, you know, and as you do, he voices his concerns to Kelly, his long-term girlfriend. And, you know, even the mama, Susan, she even questioning herself, like, you know, is she moving too fast? And just like we was talking about, you know what I got to say, if you got to ask the end, you know what it is already. 
But after an overdone, heartwarming, and family man speech given by David, he invites Michael down to the basement. And then you know he's a serial killer because he goes, meet me down there in four minutes. And you know what? I was going to say who does that, but I know that I do that. And my number is seven. Because <laughs> I definitely text you like, I'll be ready in seven minutes. Or I'll be here and da-da-da-da-da. And I know I do it. So maybe... Maybe I'm a budding serial killer, so don't nobody snitch on me because I'm coming for you next. Right. Um, huh? What you, huh? <laughs> Before that, though, thanks to Aunt Jackie, she pulled a few strings to get David a real estate job where she works. And, you know, David wasn't too happy about that because he'd be trying to stay on a low little profile. His job is off the road, whatever that is. But down in the basement, Michael sees that David has installed these locked cabinets and all this other stuff. And meanwhile, David is trying to befriend Michael over discussing his previous swimming career that's currently on hold. And we never come back to that ever at all in the movie. And well, kind of, but not for real. And Michael used to be a big swimmer. Well, not Michael. David tells Michael that he used to be a big swimmer at U of O. And um, baby... They live in Oregon. So why would you do that? He wasn't thinking. Is that, but you, you know, that's the dumbest lie you could have ever told. But anyway, <laughs> after promises to be a family, keep Michael home from military school and tequila shots, they attempt to bond. Also, I just want to say red flag. You do not, you are grown as hell. You do not need a liquor stash. Okay. Yeah, that was weird. And then I also didn't like the fact that he had all those locks. What you got all those locks for? Why are they? Well, what are you doing? Yeah. It's it's not like it's a gym. And it's not like you have small, small children that can get into things because they wouldn't be in the basement in the first place if they was that small. And then not only that, the basement had a lock anyway. So what you need all these locks for? Right. So this is also the start of where it's established that, you know, this movie was definitely aimed at the teens because Michael and Kelly, baby, they are making out through this whole daggone movie, okay? And I'm not being like it was overly annoying, but after a while, you realize that there was no point to this, but for that point of aiming this at us, well, not us, we're not teens anymore, but then us <laughs> and you know susan comes to have a conversation with michael about david and i'm like ma'am that's too late because my whole thing is kelly the girlfriend knew and met david way before mike i don't know he was in military school but still the girlfriend knows about this guy before michael and you know i'm not saying she can't be happy she can't move on and she can't be loved but your kids aren't even over what's happened between you and their biological father So, you know, it's natural that Michael shuts her down and doesn't want to communicate with her. And this leads her to, to, this leads her, excuse me, to debate having him staying in military school throughout his senior year because, you know, she like, I don't know that temper. I ain't trying to fuck with that this year. But David is like, you know, we got to be a family and he has to be here. And you know what they do? They go ahead and continue to have loud sex with all the kids in the house. And their room just happens to be next to Michael. So that poor thing has to hear all that. I just want to know, like, who house is that quiet? Like, if I got kids, I'm about to be having music on, TV on, like, 
Okay. I'm trying to have y'all hear everything that I got going on. Exactly. Like, baby, you know them walls is thin. But anyway, David goes to speak to the athletic director, Mrs. Rivers. And, you know, he gets Michael back access to the high school's pool along with the keys to his locker. And uh, we got a shot of Kelly in her bikini and pajamas. And actually, you guys got to take two sips because I skipped over the one. I like kind of briefed it. But, you know, two sips. Let's go. About time. My wine over here getting room temperature. (laughs) My bad, y'all. So Susan, the mom, asked Sean to turn down the volume on his video game. If you guys have no idea who Sean is, that's the baby brother, and I don't blame you for not knowing who that is because they're barely in the movie. But anyway, unable to hear her, he doesn't, and David charges into the room, grabbing him on the back of his neck and enforcing what she said, which clearly scares him. And first of all, she wasn't even that loud enough for him to even hear her. But two, I really wish they would have gave us more moments like this between Sean, Beth, and David. Like, show us that they're actually starting to be afraid of him. And it don't have to be like, it don't got to be like blatant abuse. It can be him giving them little looks like... I mean, I'm going to say Black Mama stare, but you know, like just little looks like that. Like, I don't know, like little things that just makes them we can see that they are uncomfortable around them i wish they would have done that more but david mentions how he feels that michael and kelly are too passionate at this age and you know susan ain't got a problem with it they've been around each other for a long time and speaking of kelly take another sip y'all she in her bikini another one let's do it Let's see, look, um, I just want y'all to know, I think I said this earlier, Johnny and I, we don't have a problem with her being in her bikini. The issue is there's no reason for her to be in her bikini this much. Like, we know there's a pool in the backyard, but it's literally there for the male gaze, you know, and then the women, because, you know, we like looking too, but it's literally there for that reason. She even says in this particular part of the movie, I like you looking at my body. It's like she's talking to us, you know? We don't have a problem with her being in a bikini. She looks good, but we just saying like, we ain't always gotta be naked, y'all. Anyway, <clears throat> during dinner, <laughs> Sean is still visibly shaken by what David did earlier. And Michael learns why family is so important to David. Basically what happens, it's one of those situations where you say something and you basically realize you put your foot in your mouth and you get a little tingly feeling in your throat because you ain't know. You know, that's basically what happens. The mom tries to play their daddy and Beth went going, you know, daughters don't play about their daddies. Have you seen Regina and Lil Wayne? That girl don't play about her daddy. Child. (laughs) But anyway, she goes on to say, you know, our dad wasn't a bad guy. And she starts talking about this true crime case where this woman drove her kids into a river or a bank or whatever. And the doorbell rings. So everybody at this point, it's a lot of commotion because people go in to answer the door. And David goes, well, maybe they disappointed her. And the only person that hears it is Michael. And he's just like, well, why would you say that? Uh, All right. So at the door is Jay, which is their biological father. He's in town for a couple of days. So he scoops up Beth and Sean. But, you know, not before he reads Susan, who really tried it, asking about his relationship status. And you know how exes do. And let me tell you something. This is what he says. He goes, actually, she was working on her PhD. She wasn't that much younger than you were. And she just took a little better care of herself. That's all. Ooh. 
<laughs> the girl, shade of it all. <laughs> you were cruising for a bruising. And he hit you with an uppercut. And those cruising eyebrows went straight bruising. to the back. Yes. I love Joanne the scammer. <laughs> eyebrows straight to the back. <laughs> So, you know, she tries to pick up her face off the floor by saying that his child support check is late. But I'm like, girl, no, just end the conversation. Go back in there with David and Michael because it's over. He killed you. (laughs) But anyway, back inside, David invites Michael to lunch the following day. Speaking of the following day, we get a visitor. We get Miss Cutters, the neighborhood cat lady who comes by with accusations of seeing David on America's Most Wanted. She actually sees like a face sketch. You know how they'd be like, if you've seen this person, call this hotline. Da, 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 da. How accurate are re- face sketches really? Because I feel like I they don't do. know. I do too. Because I mean, okay, the sketch in this picture, it vaguely looks like him. But then again, how many people have that face though? You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel I like people know. Can You'd it, be like, surprised because I feel like everybody has a doppelganger. And that's what I'm saying. You might get the wrong person because you think this person looked like me because we both got square. I don't have a square face. I'm talking about David or Dylan Walsh because we both got square jaw lines and blue eyes. You know, they all look alike. <laughs> okay, I quit. I quit. I quit. I quit. Okay. So when when Miss Cutters comes over, you know, she's a cat lady and Susan has an allergy to cats and it makes it, you know, her allergies be going crazy out here. So she tells, you know, she got to say it out loud just so we can know that that's a plot point later. And the whole time, Michael's there. So he's hearing all of this. Later at lunch, David asks Michael to be his best man in the wedding, which is another red flag. Because why you ain't got no friends? You ain't got nobody you can ask? Anyway, that's when Michael's suspicions really start kicking in. Because David even messes up his deceased daughter's name. How you going to call her Michelle, then call her Lisa? And then say her name is Lisa Michelle. That don't even go. And then, first of all, you idiot, all you had to do was just say that Lisa is my wife's name and Michelle is my daughter. And I was just thinking about them both. Like, you you couldn't think that fast? No? Okay. Anyway, I do like the part when Michael actually does call it out. That when he says it, if you notice, there's like police lights shining over David's face while he's lying, trying to get out of it. So if you guys watch the movie, notice that part. You know, I'll be liking little weird shit like that. So back at home, David searches the sketch from America's Most Wanted online. And after a few drive-by mean mugs, he sneaks into Mrs. Cutter's house and throws her down the basement stairs and suffocates her. And I was really trying to figure it out because he only pinches her nose, but I realized that he's holding her mouth closed with the same hand. That's a big hand. I've had that done to me before. It wasn't very fun. (laughs) no it wasn't (laughs) it really wasn't at that point I think that at that point no because it was no sexual activity happening we were actually kind of like fighting oh oh but also I have dated someone whose hand was basically the size of my face Mm -hmm. so yeah I can see how that's possible but you know what I was also wondering like he probably smothers her because he can't strangle her because if they do an autopsy, they would figure that out. But I was also trying to figure out would they even do an autopsy because she failed considering she's older. He really bought himself some time because I'm skipping forward, but you know they don't find her for another two weeks and you know those cats had to eat her face. But besides that, can you imagine how her house probably smelled? Bad. If her cat pissed. Oh, it pro- First of all, okay, you know what? 
No, I'm not hating <laughs> on my older seasoned people, but y'all know after a while y'all health starts smelling like old old seasoned people. So you got old seasoned people smelling, and you got cats, and then you got dead body. Oh hell no. <laughs> anyway, take another sip for that, and because in this next scene, my homegirl's in a bikini. So go on here, y'all. Take a sip, take a smoke, whatever it is. Michael opens up to Kelly about his feelings about getting another father despite not being able to communicate with his own. And instead of giving a scene showing us this, like some type of progression, baby, we get a soft sex scene. So go ahead, take another one. Lord, I'm going to have to fill my glass soon. We ain't going to finish this podcast. One going to be too lit and the other going to oh, be... I almost spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> So while they're doing that, David sneakily catches them. And this scares Kelly so bad. She going home, but I feel her because me too. And Pan giving David this middle finger when he leaves out the room. I said, baby, that's me because I didn't gave my parents so many fingers behind me back. That silent cuss out as you walk up the steps to your room okay, after you done I got beat. saying the wildest shit in my head. I just know I do. But anyway, this incident leads to a dinner discussion between David, Susan, and Michael about being discreet and careful. Um, you know, they be just talking about how it's not proper for Kelly to be seen in this light. And I'm like, well, what's that? You trying to say she fast because she over here all the time? But you know what? I have to say that this scene does happen in the original. Obviously, it's the reverse because the main character in the original is a girl. But I have to give credit to this movie because usually, you know, they don't do that to boys. They just let y'all do whatever. They really don't say too much to y'all, not all the time. So the fact that they actually do that, I did like that. So I don't think that he was trying to say that she fast because they over there all the time. I think she was trying to say that she fast because they was going a little bit too far. Like I can never do that. But see, here's the thing. I can never do that in a pool. At mm-hmm. my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And I have a I would never. And one thing, when um, the guy I was dating in high school, if we did get in the pool in the backyard, my parents were always sitting in the sunroom or in the kitchen. And but I'm pretty sure it wasn't hawk-eyed watching. But I'm with you. Like, we couldn't do that. Like That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't even dream of kissing a significant other in front of my parents unless I wanted to get him shot. And I wanted to never see the light of day ever again. Okay, like even like little pets, like even the way that they were on each other at the little surprise party, all up in that the chair too. and stuff. I'm like, <sighs> the most that you would get out of me <laughs> if I'm around my family is a hug, mm-hmm. and we met and us just kids. sitting next to each other, and that's it. <laughs> like so, one time my um my boyfriend at the time he met us in Myrtle Beach for family vacation, and he stayed mm-hmm. in a separate hotel. And the most that we did was walk arm in arm. When we were walking around, I think where were we at? We were at a um an outlet mall. That was the extent of it. <laughs> <laughs> around them, that was the extent Cause, of cause it. Because it's just okay. like you already know what comes. Okay, being in a black family, you already know how they do us, especially girls. Oh my gosh, you were <sighs> like I don't know if I mentioned this before, but they were so fearful of me getting pregnant or even getting some type of STD that in high school, I well, from middle school to high school, I was in a teenage pregnancy prevention program at my church. Uh-uh, don't. Let me find out you was dying. <laughs> you did, that's 
when you told me this. That's when you told me when we did the teeth episode. Yes. I was, like, what? Yes. I was in a teenage pregnancy prevention program at my church, and not only they didn't know, not only talked about that, but they also talked about HIV and AIDS too. So it was kind of so like I knew like all the statistics all of everything before I even graduated high school. But the crazy thing about it was like almost everybody, except for me and my, my God brothers, everybody had a baby in mm. high school. Right. So I was right. like, so this program really didn't work? Right, okay. <laughs> what was the Because <laughs> really, I, mean, I got, was impressing us and everybody wanted to see what that'd be like and everybody went too far. That's what happened. I mean, I got great info and I ended up not having sex until after I had high school because like I was scared. Right. But I mean, right. I know. So, uh, you know, in the Black story. Black parents go far. <laughs> you know what? That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> well, speaking of conversations, you know what got me? Conveniently, despite the fact that they have had to been in contact with each other long before dinner started, Susan starts sneezing, which makes her actual well, which makes her instantly think that Miss Cutter's been around. And David explains it off as, you know, the family that he was showing a property to had cats. But I'm like, Okay, I've been told that, yes, that can work like that because the hair and the dander can linger on you. But still, like I said, my issue is you've been around him for a minute. So I feel like you would have been sneezing or sniffling something. Like through this whole scene, girl, you've been clear as a whistle. Maybe they were waiting for the perfect time to announce <laughs> her sneeze. You know, they had to build the suspense first and then say, okay, cue sneeze. Action. <laughs> something because I'm just like girl well anyway you know what it's some real action because Jay comes in hella hot confronting David about laying hands on his younger son Sean and he warns Susan that she literally has no idea of anything that David is about while he's threatening him whole time so Michael you know being the older brother takes him outside him as in Jay and reveals that he doesn't trust him and, you know, they just talking. Basically, what's starting to happen is Michael and Jay's relationship is kind of starting to get better. Like, Jay explains that I left your mother. I didn't leave you kids, and I still want to be in your life. And, you know, I can get down with that. Susan comforts Sean, and David forcibly intervenes and attempts to apologize. And basically, what he's trying to do is win back over Sean, and more importantly, Susan. And later, she tells him that she's not okay with how he handled the situation because she wasn't raised like that. And she never resorted to violence when it came to her children. So she would appreciate if you didn't do that, sir. Thanks. So over the next few scenes, suspicions are just starting to mount up against David. Michael catches him pacing and whispering to himself in the middle of the night. And then this nigga ups and quits his job when Jackie asks him for photo ID and other forms of identification. Because you know that's a no-no. He can't turn that in. He probably ain't even got it. You know he paid for everything in cash. Mm. So what he does is he tells Susan that he wants to go back to his old career off the road and he'll try to, you know, find something that's not too far off. So, oh my God, this next scene, I was so sad. And this is what I'm talking about. Like they do it, but I wish they would have done it a little bit more. Sean being scared when him and Michael are playing video games and Michael turns the video game on, it's kind of loud and Sean gets scared because he thinks David is going to come upstairs. I'm like, that's so sad. You should have gave me more of that. Make me feel bad for these kids and want them to get out. But anyway, 
David starts being cold towards Susan. You know, she tries to get him out for drinks and plan the wedding and nah, he ain't going. He got stuff on his mind, baby, because he sits at this little nook and sharpens all these pencils. And I'm just like, yeah, this nigga's a serial killer. Or has severe OCD. Jay stops by because he wants to see his kids before he leaves out of town. And, you know, he tries to make amends, quote unquote, with David. And he goes on to say that, you know, I went to U of O too. And interestingly enough, the alumni office has never heard of you. There are four other David Harris's, but none of them are you because you said you swim and no. He got caught in a lie. David smashes a glass on Jay's head. And I don't know how, because I know kids, even though Michael's a teenager grown man, kids run when they hear noises, okay? And even though Sean was scared, so that's probably why he didn't move, so that does work. I don't believe out of all the times that Michael walked out of his room and to the stair ledge that he didn't do it this one time when his dad is getting killed. Hmm, pretty convenient, but anyway. Knowing that Michael and Jay's relationship has been getting a little better, David has to keep up the whole facade that Jay is alive. So what he does is he sends him a text saying that, you know, I actually do like David and making it seem as if he's alive. And he also goes ahead and apologizes for not stopping by and seeing him. And, you know, this is a big deal for Michael. So, you know. He all up in his feelings. He's crying. And I felt so bad because that was my little teenage ink self. Like, I, one thing about me, baby, I was going to throw on some headphones and play a sad playlist. Okay? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I definitely, I wasn't now. I wasn't taking no damn pictures of me crying. That's too fucking far. If you can do that, bitch, you ain't sad. Okay? Anyway. I've done that with my boyfriend, though. <laughs> Girl, that's different. <laughs> Girl. Get out. <laughs> Girls who used to literally sit there and take pictures of themselves with that one struggle ass tear. Oh no, I I be looking like Kim Kardashian. Girl, okay, but worse. <laughs> All right. Anyway, while at the bar, Jackie tells Susan again her suspicions about David and continues to call out the fact that Susan really does not know this man, and it's so sad because Susan tries to play it off and she's talking about, you know, I want a ten minute wedding in Vegas, and then flips the story again, talking about, well, you guys need to be happy for me, and I thought everybody would just be here for me. You're all against me and my relationship, bitch. Bitch, you okay. reek of desperate at this point. Like, at this point. Honestly, throughout, by this point in the movie, I was like, girl, you're just desperate and sad. Yeah. And, it makes and I feel bad for saying that, but. <laughs> no, you don't feel bad because the thing is, this movie, I was watching behind the scene interviews and they're talking about how they're trying to show people how divorced women and widow women want to be loved and. You know, we don't really see them much. Well, this is not how they want to be represented. They not this stupid. Because it makes it look like all divorcees and widowers are desperate. And desperate. Yeah, and just want some dick. And that's not the case. It's really not. They can get on Tinder. There's old people on Tinder and plenty of fish. Hello. Christian Mingo. I wonder if anybody actually used Christian Mingo. Like... Would that be crazy if they were really lying about their stats? Like, can they do that? Can they lie? Yes, you can lie. Because, but now it's gotten so common to catfish that um, a lot of dating apps and dating sites have the ability for you to be verified. And so in order to get verified, you have to send in a picture of yourself 
to whoever the admins are to prove mm-hmm. that you're real. And hmm. then they'll put like a check mark, like a verified check mark on your profile. So that way, whoever's swiping you knows that you're real. You've been verified by Tinder. Cause like I know with Tinder, for example, you actually have to like hold the phone up and like the AR will say, okay, hold your face to the front, hold your face to the right, hold your face to the left, and it will take it right in the mirror. Oh, hey, no. ver- <laughs> right. And then it, but it, it based off of like one of your pictures. Mm-hmm. So it helps. So like if you're really looking for somebody who's legit, you only look for other people who have blue check marks too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but back at the hotel, Unjackie and her wife Leah point out the fact that David always pays in cash. And we're younger millennials, kinda on the cusp of Zillennial. But um, you know one one thing about us, we ain't missing out on no points. Okay. I ain't never in my life missed out on points. Listen, I do everything for points, cash back. Upload receipts to Ibotta. And what's the other one? Fetch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another one too. That's my that mom's I favorite. Dosh. Oh, I don't do that one. Girl, she um, loves some Dosh. What else? Oh, I do Drop, mm-hmm. Rakuten. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, because Ibotta, shoot, I be uh, redeeming those for uh southwest gift cards and that's how i be getting my travel on honey because you know southwest you get them two free check bags okay y'all better get this free knowledge she telling y'all oh and if y'all didn't know john john a actually is a trip advisor so if y'all y'all need to actually you know <laughs> mm-hmm. <Jump> on that. <laughs> so throughout the next few scenes we get some fighting we get fighting between susan and michael then you know david is still being cold towards susan and all of that but what ends up happening is they find the neighbor's body and david well before this happened the mailman tells david what happens right david comes in and tells the family this whole story and michael is like um the mailman ain't tell you that. So how you know the lady broke down and fell her neck? Like, uh, it's not making sense. But you know what is making sense, John A? This glass up to your lips because, baby, she back in the bikini. All right, this is the end of my glass. I got to pour Close up another one. Gosh, okay. Let me go ahead and prepare my glass for the I next think one. Like the fifth or sixth one, so <laughs> so here we go. But while she's doing, <laughs> there's my second glass. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay, child. Well, <laughs> go and take another sip because this is the scene <laughs> where Michael and Kelly <laughs> get left alone by David because David has to go get Beth and Sean. And during this time, you know, that's when they're sneaking around the house. They make it up to the room. But what ends up happening is, first of all, rule number one is, because, baby, this was my prime time sneak to do, okay? You do not take action within the first five, ten minutes that somebody leaves, okay? You wait. Especially if you know where they're going and you know how to time them out, you wait a second because you never know what can happen. What happens is Susan ends up being closer to pick up the kids than David is. So... She goes, I'll pick them up. You know, you go back, go home. He does. And guess what? 
he figures out that Kelly and Michael have been walking around the house because he sees their wet footprints. But I mean, like, them footprints could have been going anywhere. I know they're going upstairs, but ain't all the rooms upstairs? Yeah. You know, as far as we know. But then, you know, we hear a splash in the pool. So somehow they got out of David's room and into the pool. I want to know how that happened. But... I really want to know how that happened. Because you know what would have made sense? If their room, you know how at the very end, like, they break through that window and get on the roof? Yeah. If, like, they had, like, maybe, like, an opening balcony and, like, I don't know. Maybe if those two things were the same, it would have made more sense if you can kind of see what I'm saying. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. Sorry, Mm -hmm. my train of thought. I got lost it. But I agree with your logic on that (laughs) at this point you know that david is on to them and his mind is going crazy because he's staring daggers at michael during dinner and he even hallucinates seeing the previous family that we see in the opening scene like beth beth is the only one that really fuck with him for real but that's i just think they just wrote that because she's supposed to be a sweet little teenage girl i think they should have made her a little sassy but anyway you know when she checks on him, he hallucinates and, you know, it's, it's not a good time for him. But, you know, it is a good time. Another sip because she in her pajamas this time. Underwear. Go for it. So David also lets Michael low-key know that he's on to him. I thought we were, I thought we were on to a good start. But, you know, we ain't about to be doing this sneaking around and all of that stuff. And he also tries to threaten Michael low-key talking about, you know, you got to keep a clean image to stay here. Nick, so what you mean? You about to start snitching and lying and stuff on Michael? You a bitch. Yep. (laughs) So Michael finds the America's Most Wanted sketch in the website history browser and wants to show Kelly. And you know what else? Take another sip. She's in that bikini. I blame myself because I'm not even taking sips. I'm taking gulps. (laughs) (laughs) That was a rough day. However, you know, Kelly is trying to get him to focus on college applications. And at this point, all he could think about is trying to figure out how to prove how David is a mother freaking killer. And he's obsessed at this point. And Kelly ain't going for it. She even goes as far to claim that she slept with somebody. This does not get to Michael's attention at all. So she bounces. She's upset. She's mad. And you know what I'm mad about? I'm mad about this little side plot because I would have loved it so much more if we were seeing her trying to like maybe get him back into the high school into the swim team or like you know like I just feel like I know she's the long-term girlfriend but I'm like y'all be doing too much you long-term girlfriends that be in high school y'all be doing a lot I get it she was trying to fill out college applications because she was ready for the next level but he don't know if he's staying or going at this point and then on top of that and I know this ain't got nothing to do with nothing y'all know how boys act in college baby And if you don't know, get ready because they act a whole different type of fool. You thought they was crazy in high school? Wait till they get to college. They be acting a plum damn fool. Anyway, Kelly, and I should make y'all drink for this, but I won't. Kelly picks up on David's creep vibes when he corners her in the kitchen while she's still in her bikini. And it makes her really uncomfortable. She starts to cover up, which I probably would have did that already. I mean, you coming from outside, inside, it was probably a little breezy. But you know, just me. Still keeping up the facade with Jay's phone texting Michael. 
David stumbles upon a message from Aunt Jackie letting him know that Jackie and Jay were in cahoots together to expose him. The phone begins to ring because it's Michael calling. You know, he want to talk to his daddy. And what ends up happening is this shit is not on silent. And Michael hears the faint ringing and, you know, he following it as you do. And he questions David, but David, he done pulled it together and was pretending like he was doing some work or something. I don't know how he did it. But Michael also questions where's the missing basement key because... Why is that not in the door? Why is it gone? It was always in the door. Michael goes ahead and sneaks a picture of David, but somehow it's been deleted while Michael was in the shower because his dumb ass left his phone in his room. I don't know if about you, John A, but I take my phone everywhere. I don't care. I know you shouldn't take it in the bathroom when you poop because of all of the germs. But at this point, I wipe my phone down a lot. So I'm pretty sure we're fine, but I'm not. I don't have anything to hide. But most of the time I'm listening to music or a podcast. I'm just not. My phone is not. Not with me. So I take my phone when I'm using the bathroom. Mm -hmm. But when I'm taking a shower, it's on the charger along with my Apple Watch. (laughs) Unless I'm washing my hair. Mm -hmm. Then... I'll have it in the bathroom along with the speaker because it takes a long time to wash this head and I need some tunes to go along with it. But and then, I mean, part, you know, now we have locks on our phone. This was 2009. He ain't have no lock. <laughs> I ain't even think about that. But you know, no, another thing. I had a lock on my phone. You did? Yeah. I don't think I did. Well, then again, it's 2009. I think I had that little juke. I don't think I had a razor. I wanted a chocolate so bad. I still got it. It's somewhere. I still got my juke. <laughs> and I had the Envy 2. Uh-huh. I had a bunch of the little slide-up phones. I had, uh-huh. oh my god! Well, you had to be there. You really had to be there. If y'all missed it, sucks to suck, man. But you know what? Michael pissed me off because at, I cannot remember, and I meant to note this down, in the beginning of the movie, they make a note about his room being junky. But when he finds his phone and realizes the picture is gone, his room is straightened up. So why didn't you say that? Because we would have believed that. Because, yeah, you know, teenage boys, they room be fucked up. Like, well, not all, but some of them, yeah. So anyway, despite David having left that realtor job on Jackie Got Him, he still needs documentation for legal purposes. So, you know. He got to fix this issue. And what he does is he intercepts an email to Susan from Jackie about hiring an investigator. Because remember that he already knew that she and Jay was in cahoots. So what he does is he goes ahead, cancels that newspaper subscription. If you know, you know. Then he goes to Jackie's house and drowns her in the pool, making out to look as if she fell in while trying to reach an umbrella. Then later at home, and after a whole lot of lies, David slips Susan half a sleeping pill. First of all, girl, girl, I know that's supposed to be somebody you trust, but girl, hell no. You ain't even look at the pill before you took it. Well, I guess he told her it was a sleeping pill, but girl, still, you don't know what that was. Anyway, and he has his grooming kit laid out in the bathroom, so you already know what he finna do. Y'all, if y'all hear people in the background, it's okay. Meanwhile, Michael convinces Kelly to hold him down because, you know, he's determined to discover what's in those locked cabinets. So breaking into the basement, Michael eventually discovers his dad's belongings and his dad's body in the freezer. 
Unable to reach Michael by phone after seeing a light come on in the house, Kelly decides to leave the car and go get him. And David knocks her the fuck out and traps Michael in the basement. And, you know, all this commotion finally wakes up Susan and she berates, well, not she. And David berates her parenting skills and says that he thought that she could be the next Mrs. Grady Edwards. And uh, uh, who? Who that? Because Susan, like, I don't know who that is. And of course, David, he's in confusion like the Mr. Krabs meme. And he's just, who am I here? And you know what? Let me pause you right there because I did not like that line. I was so upset because I was low-key hyped for it. But I feel like they probably got another take where he said it better. I don't know. It's something about the way he says it that doesn't hit like the original. And I'm not being one of those Nazis. Like, the original, the original, the original. I will say that it was something about the way he delivered that that I didn't like. After watching the um, original, I, I don't know. I think I actually preferred the remix version of Who Am I Here versus mm-hmm. the original. I, they kind of seem the same to me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think for me, what it is, is in the original, he really gets caught up in what he's doing. So he genuinely fucks it up and get confused. But for this one, I think it's the music that gets me with this one. Because you know how I always talk about, I hate when the music tells me what I'm supposed to be doing, like blatantly yeah. tells me. And the music, literally, the violins stir up and then they stop. He delivers the line and boom, the fight goes on and he's chasing her through the house and da 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 And I'm just like, hmm, it didn't do it for me, but it's okay. So once David Harris realizes who he is, he chases Susan running through the house. Running and, through a nigga house like a Tomb Raider. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I am done. You know what? At least she we don't have any more scenes of her in her bikini you know what i wouldn't be surprised if she had one on up under this jogging suit while she laid out unconscious on that ground i would not be surprised (laughs) so while susan is in the bathroom we kind of get a call back to the original when david is banging on the door and the glass breaks she picks up the shard of glass she stabs him in the neck we think he's dead yay y'all know damn well this nigga ain't dead michael escapes the basement they find kelly They in the hallway. Like I said, this nigga ain't dead. He blocks the stairs, so they got to go up into the attic where he and Michael fight. Now, remember, David was up there doing some roof work or whatever the hell he was doing. So they can only walk on the beams because if you walk anywhere else, you're about to fall straight through that roof. And that's exactly what happens. After Kelly tries to be a final girl and pick up this little saw, and I don't know what she thought she was about to do with that, but her and Susan fall through the roof and Michael and David start to fight. Well, actually, no. Kelly and Susan fall through like the actual house roof, the ceiling. And then David and Michael, while they're fighting, they fall through a window onto a roof and then they fall off the roof. You know, they play a little Lion King first because David falls first, but you know, he took Mufasa with him. They both fail and they lie there unconscious. I have an issue with this next scene. How? How the F are Kelly and Susan alongside Michael? Shouldn't they be getting checked out for concussion? I don't think, I don't think they had a, a big as a fall as um, the boy. Because he fell on concrete. And I feel like that was a 
a bigger fall because mind you, right, because he was an addict. Yeah, yeah, it was an ad. It was an, from the attic to the main level floor, mm-hmm. whereas they fell through just to the level underneath them. He fell two stories. They only fell one. I didn't even realize that. Wow, you're right. Well, I mean, obviously, I feel like if you fall on concrete from any story in general, you gonna yeah. And then that like, was more like wood, like yeah. hardwood floor versus concrete. And there was only I one still story. feel like they should be getting checked out for something, but I mean they could have gotten checked out at the scene, you know, sometimes at the hospital, like the ambulances yeah. or whatever. But they kind of yeah. probably could have been G's was like, no, fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> a little month later, Michael wakes up from a coma. He learns that David is still alive and fled the scene before the police arrived. Dun dun dun. Of course he did. Girl. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? You know what? David has poorly changed his appearance, okay? And now he's Chris Ames. He's working at a hardware store where he meets another woman who's shopping with her two boys while a cover of So Happy Together plays. And that's our ride. You can unbuckle your restraints while we share our thoughts. And um, let me tell you, I'm gonna start off with my positives because it's short, baby. Hey, I do like. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't necessarily hate it, but I do like how they span some of the scenes from the original. Uh, yeah, that's it. Now for my negatives. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> because I mean, I talked about it through the movie, so I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't want to reiterate myself too much. But I, like I said, I did like the movie when I was younger because it was aimed towards my age group. But now that I'm watching it with an older eye, it's just like it's so many things that I realize don't work. But like I said, I have to accept that. But where were the younger siblings through this movie? I mean, like, we know where they were, but they should have played more of a role in the relationships with David. Make us see that David is low-key like a shitty guy. Like, he's trying to be in control of a family, which is ultimately what he wants. And this is why he goes after these types of families, because he's trying to control them. Show us that through the kids. Like, we get this one scene with Sean, that's really it, you know? The kids, I just think that they were kind of like placeholders. Placeholders and convenience, because we, the whole third scene, they're not there. Even in the hospital, like Kelly is there, which, you know, I would expect that type of girlfriend to be there. Y'all know how y'all do. No shade. But um, where, where, where are your siblings? Oh, because I think one, didn't they go to camp? Yeah, they were supposed to, they went to go see their dad before they went to camp. Oh, Dad's yeah, gone. you're right, you're right. And now I right. think they went to camp. Either they were at you're a right. or something, but they weren't home. And if his M.O. is to kill the entire family, then why would you just leave them two kids? Because now we really know what you, and they know what you look like. I mean, So that wasn't smart. The other people knew what he, the brother-in-law knew what he looked like, too, from the other family. The brother-in-law. Oh, shit. I'm thinking about the original. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I was like, wait, wait, wait. But see, that's what I'm saying. Because in the original, he didn't know about the stepbrother. So that's how you know that fell through. But here in the remake, he's aware. Like, you lived with these mofos for almost a year, you know? So I'm just like, you fumbling the serial killer bag here for your MO, honey. It's messy. Let me clean it up. It's too messy because not only did he kill the family, he killed the friend too. 
Mm-hmm. And so the wife won't come home and know that it's him because, for one, homegirl ain't never gonna show up on vacation, mm-hmm. missed the flight, right? And she already was complaining about a dude before she even left. So. Right? Yeah, all those people at the cookout, and I mean, you can say that for the original too. But I'm just like, boy, this is messy. But you know what? I would love if they redo this movie. I want to see a family of color, preferably black, but it really don't matter. I want to see a family of color because not saying Caucasian families don't go through stepfathers, stepmothers, everybody does. But I feel like for us, that would be something to see because you already know how it is. If it's static, y'all already know how that is. And that would make such a good story. Another thing I would like to see if they do a remake is I want him to kill everybody. <laughs> like, show us. Like, I, I hate, for the most part, when movies, when we get to the movie, this is the one time when the villain meets their demise. No, show us. Show me. Do it. Like, just nobody survives. Everybody get bodied. And if that means that you got to take younger age children out the movie to make you feel better so you can sleep at night, then do that then. But I want to see a stepfather movie where he kills everybody, changes his identity, and bounces. And then if y'all want to make a sequel and that's what he dies then, then do what you will. But that's what I want. I feel like they should. I don't want them to remake it, but I do think that they should do a sequel since he got away, but make it better. Because this movie was some booty to me. Like, I'm telling you, I was struggling to stay awake in mm-hmm. during this movie. I was falling asleep. It was yeah. a little boring. I feel like there were plot holes. I don't feel like it was like a continuous story, like the original. Yeah, You got to see more of the stepfather's nuances, his plans. You actually got to see like, oh, well, yep, time for a new family. Let me go set this up and then come back and do you. The, in this movie, it was... Eh. It was a lot of necessary scenes. Yeah. And you know, one more, I'm going to say one more thing before we go ahead and rate this thing and head off to the souvenir shop. If they go ahead and make a different version of this, whatever that looked like, I feel like they need to make the stepfather similar to Joe, well, similar to Penn Bagley's character in you. It needs to be somebody that we are literally, and don't make it through his point of view though, because obviously you works because we're on Joe's side already. So we're cheering for him, even though we know goddamn well he's a sociopath and he murdering motherfuckers. But I mean, us on the he outside. just wants to be loved. I know, and I'm right with him because I will love you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, to be loved. if and you can. If you can make, okay, he really did. If you can make the stepfather that charming and that interesting on the outside and we don't know nothing about him, that would take this movie so much further. But anyway, it released October 16, 2009 with a budget of 20 million. The box office brought in 31.1 million, which, uh, yeah, it's. 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 33% on Metacritic. I'm going to go ahead and give it a 63 because it's it's not bad. It just could have been a whole lot better. And, you know, if you like me and you like watching horror movies while you like just doing other stuff and you just need some noise in the background, this is a good movie for that. So, what you, what you. (laughs) So, what about you, Janae? Give it a 50. It was I. Yeah, that's decent. Not too bad. Not too... Yeah. yeah. You ready to bounce out to the souvenir shop? Yes, because 
Hated it. It seems you survived. Well, before you go, join us in the souvenir shop. So for the souvenir shop, I'm gonna make this real simple and plain. You guys know that we always post the cover art the day that the show drops. So um, if you're listening to this when it drops, it's gonna be right there. But if you're listening to this in the future, you probably gonna have to scroll. But the cover that I picked for today is all black. We just see a pair of hands reaching out with a tie, almost insinuating like somebody about to get strangled, which that does not happen in this movie. And I'm fine with that, but you know, this cover would go so much harder if everybody died in the movie. Just saying. You know, I don't really, I kind of like movies where everybody dies. Because I, I do too. It just depends. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just being silly. No, I agree with you, but I just feel like this one would have been so much better if he just got away with it. Let me see, because y'all let him get away at the end anyway. So you might as well just have let him kill everybody. Anyway, the, uh, oh, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but once again, where are the fucking siblings? In the poster of him standing atop of the basement with a knife in his hand, and then you see- they weren't main characters. They weren't, but still, I need to see them on the cover, like- They don't put main characters on the covers. I mean, I'm sorry. I was about to say Scream, Scream Show be pulling, because Scream Show did trick us a few times with that cover. They normally put the main characters on the cover. I'm just bitching about it because I'm just saying, like, if this is supposed to be, like, a family in danger, show me a family in danger. Like, I don't need to see Amber Heard. We've seen enough. I mean, she's <laughs> a main character. She. <laughs> Literally for the bikini. Literally for the bikini shots. And that's it. Literally it. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into these park announcements. All the themes are out. By the time this show is available, you can go hit us up on our IG that I mentioned before, D180 Podcast. Click on the park themes highlight. From June all the way to September, you can submit movies for us to review on the podcast. You can either submit there under the park themes, or you can email us at destination180podcast at gmail.com. All you got to do is just say, survivor submission in the subject box and write whatever the hell you want to write in the email if you just want to talk to us you could do that too but then don't forget if you're listening especially on apple leave us a review we still got a five star rating but that's only because people are only rating us five stars we want to hear what y'all got to say about us too because when you actually write that helps us out way more than anything else but we appreciate all that you do for us Thank you. So sweet. Um, next week we're gonna be getting into the hills have eyes, and I have not seen this movie, but Johnny has. So I'm gonna yes. give Johnny my predictions. My predictions are that there's gonna be a token black person in the movie. Probably not gonna make it. This movie came out what, like mid two thousands? Yeah, they're not gonna make it. Um. There's probably going to be some type of pop culture reference made, and I'm going to leave my predictions at that because I don't know. I, I'm hoping that the makeup effects are good. I'm going to throw that in there. I'm going to wish good makeup effects. I'm hoping. It's probably people looking at the podcast like, ooh, sis, you're going to be pissed. And it's probably some people like, oh, yeah. But I guess we'll find out next week, huh? Yep. So, yeah, y'all, y'all know what I always say. If you're not a survivor, you was unmarked or you was dead. So, link up with us in the park next week. 
We'll see you soon. Peace, y'all. Bye, y'all. <laughs>